Hello and welcome to the Alignment Advantage podcast brought to you by Massit. This is the Sales and Marketing Edition. In this edition, we interview some of the greatest sales and marketing minds in all of tech. We have a huge emphasis on internal alignment and believe that can be a superpower for your business. We hope you enjoy the interview. All right, Connor, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm super excited to hear about your story. There is no pun intended with that one, but uh, I'm excited. You have such a cool background with marketing and sales. You've built a really cool company. It's a brand new year. This is the first interview of the year for me. I'm excited. Um, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, Benjamin, thanks for having me. I'm really excited too. It's it's a, it's definitely going to be an interesting year, 2023. So I think like being really intentional about what we're doing with marketing and sales activities is like a really good way to get started, you know? I love it. Awesome. Well, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, I'd love you to just take a couple minutes and introduce your background, what you've done with your career and kind of a little bit about story and, and everything that's brought you up to this point in time. Yeah. So um, I uh, am the co-founder of a company called Story. We are a content team in your pocket. So People use our app to give us raw video footage, and we have a team of you know 100 plus content creators who actually go and turn that into really great, engaging video um, and you know uh, graphic media content. And one of the things that we do that's a little different than most is um, we we use AI to help with idea generation. And so you know ChatGPT and, and some of these other tools are all the rage right now, where you can kind of freeform edit, um, which is very cool. And we use that same back back end of, of open API that GPT is powered by to basically give you a constant stream of ideas for content to create. So you just tell us the topics that you want, and then we'll create constant hooks, outlines, outros for videos that you can record so that you can give us raw content that's authentically you. And, and we can help, you know, pretty it up a little bit, but preserve that raw authenticity um, to build that relationship with your audience. So that's what we're doing over at Story. I uh, grew up in Utah, small town Mapleton, and uh, you know had a really like idyllic childhood there. I, uh, I remember when I was in high school, it was when Facebook was like really getting online, right? And they just opened it up for, from just the college kids. Now anyone could get on. So I got on there with my friends from high school and we were always messing around on there for, you know, ridiculous amounts of time to the point where one day my parents came into the office. They're like, Connor, you've been on Facebook for like two hours today. You need to get off there. You were never going to make money on social media messing around on Facebook. And, you know, now it's like, hey, mom, dad, look at me. We got a company that does social media content, you know, <laughs> but I, I had this like early love of the like potential of social media of the way it could like bring people together. Um, and it's just been kind of like set, it, it kind of set a course for my career. Very cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Facebook is, uh, it's a fun journey. You know, they, they definitely started a new revolution of things. And, uh, I think it took a while for people to really catch on and there's amazing companies utilizing it now. And, you know, billions of people are on that platform. I don't think anyone thought about that back then, but, uh, it's definitely powerful. The ability to connect with anyone worldwide. Yeah, we've come a long way from Farmville, you know, and uh, it's it, it's it's really interesting how, you know, it, it, it starts out as this like thing for teenagers to mess around on. And then we're having, you know, federal government investigations about how it impacts elections. Like like the fact that that happens in like a less than 10 year span just goes to show like the power of these platforms. And I think the the especially when you're thinking about it from like a sales and marketing lens, 
like, are you there and using them in ways that's actually going to be helping your business, right? It's, it's not just the place for people to do like, you know, TikTok dances. It's a place where you, you build relationships and build rapport and that there's, there's relevant sales and marketing functions that, that can be applied for, you know, on social media. Yeah, I love that. So we talked a little bit earlier on, you know, just in us chatting before the podcast, but uh, AI is a big deal. You guys are are neck deep in AI. AI is a, a big area, especially when it comes to content creation. You look at how it's impacting everything. I think half of the audience is, you know, wondering what AI is going to do. The other half is nervous about it. And if you had a third half somehow to have that math line up, you know, you had people just genuinely curious. What do you think that people should focus on when it comes to AI, you know, especially as it pertains to sales and marketing? How do they lean into it? What should they be afraid of? Should they not be afraid of it? But uh, how's it going to impact marketing and sales kind of moving forward? Yeah. So my mar- my background's in marketing. So I feel like I can say this. Uh, marketers ruin everything. <laughs> like <laughs> if we find a way to spam something, we're going to do it. Right. Yep. And so... So AI, of course, as soon as, as, as it's publicly available, the first thing is the marketers run to it. And it's like, how does this like, let me spam somebody with a message. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's going to be ways that, that the platform is trying to prevent that and, and detect that how effective those are, I think is yet to be determined. It's probably just going to be an ever, you know, increasing arms race in terms of written content. Um, in, in terms of like marketers, I think it, it, it for at least the moment, it puts more of a premium on video, right? Like it, it's this kind of a, a, this economic economics thing of supply and demand. If, as the supply of endless AI generated content increases, the demand for it will decrease. Like it's going to be harder for people to find your message because it's, it's going to be a garbage dump of generated content. So video content all of a sudden has a premium, especially this kind of like two human beings talking video because it's harder to fake it's harder to just auto-generate. And, and until the AI gets to the point where it can be doing that effectively, I think that that's going to be a place where people that are trying to build a real personal relationship online are going to have to focus more of their attention. That's certainly where, what, what we're doing. Um, I think like one of the ways to think about AI, if there's people that are kind of unfamiliar with it, is, is actually look at data. So like, you know, a sales guy that's been using like Zoom Info or any of these other big data providers, you're going to be familiar with that. There's a couple of big data companies that like have a monopoly on the data world. There's four or five big ones. And then companies will go and get maybe a little bit more niche data, supplement it on these big pools of data, and they'll kind of build like an app on top of this experience, right? I think AI, you're going to see something very similar. I think you're going to have OpenAI's language model. You're going to have Google's language model. You're going to have all Amazon's language model, you're going to have all of these natural language learning models that people are going to use and they're going to build software on top of them. And some people like us, we're taking our own sets of data that are scripts and best practices for content creation, layering it on top of the language models and creating a more curated, uh, curated experience inside of our app. Right. And so I think that, that, as, as we look to the future of AI, I think you're going to see a lot more of these AI companies popping up in the same way we see data companies pop up. And they're going to specialize in certain aspects of automatic content creation. Um, what the impact of that is to the marketer, you know, as a marketer, like our marketing team, 
starts with with like you know after we've nailed down our audience and our message and and the job to be done um you know we don't really believe in personas we kind of are like we're not trying to do demographics, you know, our, our customers are males between 25 and 35. Our thing is, what's the job to be done? What are they trying to accomplish? And we market around that. Um, and then we're, once we have all that stuff identified, we're trying to figure out how do we automate some of the communication and tools that we hit those people with? Because our marketing team is a bootstrapped, smaller company is just a handful of people. So we've got to make sure they're focused on the activities that cannot be automated, that cannot be um, you know, easily um, processed down and, and can be really the most high value, high impact things that support the sales team, right? And so we, uh, we think the AI not only is going to be big in terms of new companies that are coming out into the scene, but they have a essential role in the operations of sales and marketing. Yeah, I love that. That makes a lot of sense. And I think you hit on the point, and I love that point where, the main thing with AI is there are going to be people that take advantage of it. They're going to use it as spam. They're going to create blog posts upon blog posts upon blog posts. They're going to try to exploit it for SEO, for their email marketing, for their social media content. And that won't stand out. It's just not going to be appealing. It's not going to provide value. It won't be the human side of things, the really you know, the content that people can actually connect with. But the people that are going to win on the AI side of things are they're going to use it to enhance their abilities to create human-generated content, things that are personable, things of that nature. And I love what you guys are doing. Let's use AI to come up with even more subjects. Find things that I can talk about that actually matter to people that are important, and I can go after those subjects. You know, as opposed to AI is going to replace the human side of business. It's just helping you along, helping you understand what you can talk about and, and how to be more personable. So I think that's cool. I think that there's there's going to be clear winners and clear losers. I'm in the camp that the losers are going to be the people that just let AI write everything for them. And uh, I think they need to use it to be more personable, to connect and, and use that free time to actually connect with their audiences and, and the people they're really trying to connect with. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you, if you, you know, it, it's the whole garbage in garbage out idea, right? If you've got you, well, so much of what makes AI effective is making sure you're asking it for the right things. And I think that the people that are good at asking the right questions and being really intentional about what is the end result that we need are going to be the people that use AI effectively. And the ones that are, are, are not concerned with the why they're not the people that are asking questions. They're not thinking on that strategy level. They're, they're waiting to get orders taken. Um, I think they're the ones that AI is going to kind of, it'd be a faster way to do what they're already doing. And I think if there's anyone that's stressed about it, you got to make sure you understand the strategic vision that the leadership team has so that you can find ways to support that versus fight against it. Yeah. Well, and if your content strategy was always, let's go write a blog post and we'll hire an intern and they're just going to go scour the internet for all the other articles and they're going to grab pieces and bits of it and they're just going to regurgitate what's already out there. AI might do a better job if that was really your content strategy. But when you want unique, actual human thought that provides, you know, whether it's a unique analogy, a unique perspective, a different take on it, AI is not going to provide that for you. And I think that that's kind of the unique element here. And that's where you're going to see content. There'll be this giant divide 
is it regurgitated or is it original? And I think AI is going to make that gap even bigger for the people that uh, just aren't willing to put in the effort to have original thought. I think you just described it super well. AI is like the world's best intern. <laughs> so like it's true. Intern level post strategy, that's, that's what you're going to get with it. Exactly. And it's going to take you 10 seconds to put in a prompt for it. And otherwise you're good to go. <laughs> So I'd love to talk to you, you know, as a co-founder of a business, you know, you have a lot of hands-on with your marketing team. You're very involved with your sales team. I'd love to jump over to how have you structured your internal teams inside of your business and how do they work together? You know, obviously there's a huge emphasis with our podcast about internal alignment, sales and marketing. I personally believe it's a huge superpower for businesses. If those two groups are really aligned they're good friends with each other. They're not fighting. They have the same goals. Things look really, really good for those businesses. What have you done at Story to really align those teams and how you've structured them? Yeah, it's funny. So I'm a marketer. My my uh, co-founder is a marketer and we're, we're building a marketing tech company. So like we're, we we all believe in marketing over here. <laughs> um, and, and when we first started out, you know, we were doing the marketing, but it, it was me doing the sales, you know, I was jumping on sales calls and we were all referral based, like many businesses start out. And as we've grown, what's been interesting is like, you know, um, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So like when you're a marketer, everything looks like a marketing problem. And so I absolutely 100% recognize times in our business where we spent more time focused on marketing activities when we should have been focused more on sales activities. And I think that if you are a, a, a business leader, You've got to understand when you should be doing one of those two things. I think one of the mistakes that we made really early on was we focused more on like, how do we make the perfect funnel versus how do we develop the right business relationships, right? Because it's really easy to get sucked into the Grant Cardone, Russell Brunson, you know, Frank Kern email chain and feel like the only way our business is going to 10X is if we have this perfect marketing funnel set up. And that's not to say that those strategies don't work or there's not a place for them. But if you try to say that those things are more important than someone that's going to build a relationship with someone, have that personal connected follow-up, explain to them the use case of your product specifically inside of their business, like it, it just doesn't replicate that, right? And so you've got to understand what, what, are, what are each of those teams doing and what is their focus to actually produce the results, that, uh, produce the results you want for your business. And so for us, marketing is all about how do we make sure that we're known. How do we get out of obscurity? That's where we're at as our business. You know, most people haven't heard about story. How do we make sure that people that need story hear about story? And then how do we educate them about the product? How do we teach them about the use cases? How do we, how do we qualify a lead so that this person is someone that is worth that personal individualized follow-up and attention, right? That, that salesperson's time has got to be focused on people that are likely to convert and if his job is to go and source and, and, and work through every single lead all of the time without any sort of qualification from the marketing team, well, he's going to get bogged down in, in work that is not producing the results that he wants for his commission and that, that we want as a business. And so we've got to figure out how do we make sure that the marketing team is focused on those activities that optimize that salesperson's time. Yeah, I love that. That makes perfect sense. So when you look at goals between the two departments, how are those structured for the two teams? I'm, I'm assuming sales is very heavy on the revenue side of things. How is marketing aligned to that as well so that they have the same goals and are working towards the same business objectives? 
I think it froze for a second. Nope. I think I got you back. Yep, we're back. <laughs> okay. So I can just repeat the question real quick. So how do you align your goals with marketing and sales so they're working towards the same objectives, the same business objectives, while at the same time recognizing that they're both doing different jobs and, and they have different responsibilities? That's a great question. Um, you know, when, when I'm sitting in the co-founder seat, I, you know, as when you're an executive in the company, you're looking and saying, okay, what, what are our fundamental goals as a company that we're trying to accomplish? And because those inform what each department's doing. And so our company first starts with our purpose, which is to help people share their authentic message. And then we say, okay, over the next three to five years, what is our mission? What is the thing we're trying to accomplish in the long term? Um, and, you know, and then for us, it's, it's hitting certain revenue goals and user goals. And then outside of the mission, what are the things over the next year that we would need to accomplish in order for us to be on track for that mission? And so we come up with a prioritized list of signs of success that we believe after a year, if we accomplish, we'd be closer to our mission. Um, and from that, we then start making goals quarter to quarter. We start saying, okay, if we want to get there in a year, what are the activities we need to do over the next 90 days? And when we're in the leadership seat, that's looking at sales and saying, okay, sales needs to get to this X revenue number. Okay. If sales needs to get to that revenue number, then how many leads do they need to get so that they have people they can talk to because leads turn into appointments and then appointments turn into, you know, demos and then demos turn into sales. And, and when you have that pipeline consistent, then then you can you can kind of math that out exactly what marketing needs to provide in order to sell us to hit their goals. And so I think for us, we're still getting more, more, we're trying to really get better data on that entire pipeline flow. That's where we're at is how do we make sure every step of that flow is clearly understood by our business development team so that we know what we can expect from them. And in the meantime, marketing, it's how do we maximize the amount of leads that we're getting? And so for us in this kind of growth stage, we don't know what the optimal number is. What we're trying to figure out is how do we track those numbers throughout the whole process? And then let's start, let's start, you know, making goals to increase those things. I love that. Very cool. And then how do you focus on communication between the two departments? You know, obviously in some businesses, there can be silos that get set up, but how do you bring down those silos? How do you have the two different departments really work together and communicate on a regular basis? Yeah. So for us, it's, it's making sure that we've got a, a strong leadership team. That's all bought in on that main vision, right? Like I think sometimes what happens with siloing is people get really focused on, on like making their department look good and like, like hitting a certain goal or a metric at all costs. And sometimes those goals and metrics might not be aligned with what the overall goal of the company is. And so I think my, my job as a leader is to go to, you know, our director of business development, um, you know, go to our marketing team and be like, look, it, this is the the goal that we have this quarter. What are the activities you're doing to reach there on the sales team? And what are the activities you're doing on the marketing team? And what are the activities, activities you're doing to help each other get to those goals? You know, like as a leader, my job is to facilitate communication, like fundamentally. And if, if, if there is a breakdown in communication between sales and marketing, I believe it's typically because we don't have alignment on the end goal. If, if we're aligned on what the end goal is, then everything else kind of falls into place. The priorities get clear, the stuff where people get more territorial or like, 
or, or defensive about how they're spending their efforts starts to fall by the wayside because you have to make sure you have the whole context of the business, right? Like if, if I have a really great Facebook campaign, for example, and that Facebook campaign is got a really great low cost per conversion, the marketing team might be like, we're kicking butt. We need a great marketing campaign. And then you go talk to the sales guy and the sales guy's like, yeah, I'm getting hundreds of garbage leads that don't answer, don't pick up the phone, don't want an appointment with me. And so at that point, you've got to bring the marketing guy and the sales guy and be like, look, the end goal for the business is to reach this number. If, if the sales team is not getting the results out of your marketing campaign, it doesn't matter what you know your ads manager says because the business result is not being driven. So what do we need to adjust in that to, to make that happen? It's very easy for us to optimize around metrics that are only important to our individual teams. And as leaders, we have to go in and help the teams elevate their perspective on how their activities actually impact the entire business. Yeah, I love that. And as you know, a fellow marketer, one thing that I noticed in my career is anytime you would have marketing independently, you know, you going back to your Facebook campaign example, anytime they would create this campaign, they'd love it, they'd start generating these leads, they'd hand them off, and then sales would ask the question, okay, where did this come from? And then you knew immediately there is a communication breakdown. Right. You should have let them know in advance. They should have all the information so that they can have a unique conversation as to what that person was actually interested about. And I think those are really good opportunities because sometimes it is, hey, these are great leads on the marketing side, but on the sales, they're not great leads. And the gap is the communication because the salesperson doesn't just understand where they came from because the marketing side didn't educate them and inform them in advance then the salesperson has to treat it like anything else. And there's no other way to know that unless marketing is willing to kind of hand off and exchange that information. So yeah, I love if that. The I sales guys like, <laughs> the, sorry to cut you off. The good. sales guys like, if, if the sales guys like, like, what am I doing on this call? Like, what's the point of this call? Marketing failed. <laughs> yeah. Like all that failed because there should be, there should be not only clear communication, but like established systems and centralized information about who people are and why they have any sort of relationship with us. Did they just sign up for our weekly trend report? Did they say they wanted a demo? Did they get a free video edit from us? Like all of those things are different intention signals and the sales guy needs to know that entire journey and that entire bit, all of that information so that he can really customize the call, right? If, if he's supposed to build that, that professional level of trust and rapport with this person, he's got to know the entire context of what they're looking for. So I couldn't agree anymore. It's like, Communication, communication, communication. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Okay, shifting gears just a little bit. Um, you know, we're five days into 2023. For anyone inside of tech and business, you know, Salesforce announced layoffs, Amazon, and a whole bunch of groups. What are you changing inside of Story to really focus on the economic needs of 2023? What do you think people are going to do, especially on the marketing and sales side? How can people really prepare themselves for this upcoming year and make sure that they're thriving? And I'd love to hear some some examples of, of what you guys are doing and how you've kind of prepared for it. Yeah, great question. So, you know, number one for us is you got to make sure that like profitability is the number one goal, right? You, you see, especially, you know, here in Utah, all along the Valley, there's a lot of companies that have had layoffs and layoffs happen when You've got VC-backed companies where profitability has kind of been a secondary metric and it's been like focus on users, focus on users. 
Well, all of a sudden, when the cost of capital increases, the conversation changes very quickly, right? And so I think for us, for us, you know, profitability and cash flow are like the number one things, right? And, and we're lucky that we're bootstrapped and and we kind of control our own destiny a little bit there. It has its own share of problems for sure. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> but 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 um, you know, it, it's in twenty twenty three. We all have to be really mindful of how we're spending those dollars. And so for us, one of the things that we're doing is we actually have a person on, on our team whose entire job is automations. And, and they're not a developer because we've got you know our development team that works on the app. But this automations person, all they do is build automations for each of our departments to automate different parts of their workflows and maintain those automations. And what's really great about this is it enables higher degrees, especially when we have a, such a, we're a remote company, so everything's remote. For us, we have to replace communication with like really, really high volumes of automated communication and signals and process. And when individual team members are responsible for those things, oftentimes it doesn't get done. And what ends up happening is your team members are coming to you saying, hey, we're strapped. Like our team can't handle any more customers coming in or clientele doing this or, you know, we're capped on our bandwidth. And so what we as, as leadership are trying to do is figure out how do we bring in automation to assist you with as much of your process as you can. So instead of our account manager servicing 10 clients, you can serve 30 or 40, right? And so like, how do we find ways that we can increase efficiency so we're not increasing headcount um, is, is one of the areas that we're, we're really trying to be effective with our dollars in 2023. The other thing is we're also being really, really focused on like marketing events that are going to produce results for us. You know, So we come out of our annual planning looking through all of our sales activities for the year and looking at where are the places that we're finding our conversions from. And for us, events is where we get our most conversions. Like that's where we get a ton of sales for, for these influencer type deals that we were looking for. And for us, we're, we're going to do more events because of that, right? We know that's worthwhile dollars versus maybe a billboard or investing in a social media campaign. It's a paid social campaign. Um, we're going to go and, and do some events and sponsor events. And so I think like every business is going to be a little bit different, but I think that those activities that are harder to attribute sales to are going to fall to the wayside. And as marketers, you know, we hate that because we understand the value of branding. We understand the, the value of a relationship with our audience. And so I think for us, the other thing we have to do is we have to figure out ways to communicate the value of those things better to um, business leaders, you know, like what is, what is the ways that that audience relationship is valuable? And one example that, you know, I tell the other business owners is like, look, if you're going and doing paid ads on Facebook or Instagram or paid search with Google, you are paying a fee to essentially access their email list, right? You've, you've got their user list and you're paying a fee to go hit those people up versus building organic content is like building your own email list, right? You can build organic content a lot cheaper than you can then paying for a bunch of um, ads. And those ads are essentially rented attention from Facebook or Google's or Instagram's or TikTok's email lists. And so I think the other thing is how do you invest in building an owned audience, owned email lists, owned followers on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, so that when you want to bring your message to your audience, you're not having to rent their attention from somebody else you already have it because you have a relationship with them. So I think that that's another focus for us is continuing to build out that organic like awareness and organic strategies 
so that we don't have to go rent and pay to play when we need to get our, our message and products out to the people that are interested in them. Yeah, I love that. So I, yeah, right in the middle of that, I was thinking, okay, cool. How do you really weigh out brand versus demand, you know, especially with this, you know, new emphasis on profitability? And I think you hit it perfectly. I think some businesses, they've looked at brand is just this pie in the sky. This is where marketing has fun. There's no real like ROI to this, all those activities. But I think you nailed it perfectly. It's the opportunity for marketing to go out and build their own audience. That's the point of a brand, right? If you go and you capture Mindshare and things like that, your call to action may not be see a demonstration with us or buy from us, but it will be let's build a relationship. Come join a, a subscription, come follow us, come do whatever, this really top of the funnel call to action, but just become friends. Like let's, let's hang out occasionally and let's do that proactively so I don't have to pay all of this money at the bottom of the funnel to get in front of you. I, you know, I want your phone number. I don't want to call, you know, the operator and have to get that and pay for those fees in between. And so I think that's a great way of distinguishing between brand and demand and the value of brand as opposed to just, hey, let's just nuke those paid ads over and over and over again. It's how these people see us everywhere on the internet, even though we haven't nurtured them down a funnel. It's just see a demo. I think it's a great, uh, great way to kind of call that out. Yeah. There's so many businesses I see that like they, they look at like Apple or Coca-Cola and they're like, we got to get brand awareness. And they try to replicate those strategies where it's like, you're not Coca-Cola, you're not Apple, your business isn't even in the same life cycle as those companies. And so for you to take the same approach doesn't make sense. You know, I, I think that, you know, uh, with Instagram, they were, they changed, they've changed so much of their algorithm to reflect TikTok where there's a lot more recommendation content. Right. Um, you know, there was a big controversy earlier this year that I don't know, maybe you were tuned into, but maybe not everyone in your audience was where Kylie Jenner posted something on her story that was like, make Instagram, Instagram again. I just want to see cute pictures of my friends. And it like lit Instagram up on fire to the point where the head of Instagram actually made a post about it. Because when she did this to Snapchat, their stock fell 15%. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's like, we're going to make it, we're going to respond <laughs> to this. And he basically said, if you go look at all the user data of what we see, our users are wanting to see content based off of the, off the stuff they're interested in and they're watching way more video. And so the takeaway for us as marketers is people want to see content they're interested in based off topic, not just of social network connections like Facebook where it's just my friends. And they are going to, the platforms are going to focus on recommending content to people, which is a marketer's dream. Yep. Because now it's like, instead of me having to pay, if I make good content, they're just going to show it to them for free. <laughs> and, yep. and so the, the, the opportunity that we have is, is so big where we can be creating really great, authentic, raw content and get that stuff seen by our ideal audiences. And a lot of people I think are going to make the mistake during this, this economic, you know, tough times that we're having where they're going to cut back on marketing spend because they don't know better versus focusing on, like you just said, owning that list and owning that relationship. Because if they have that, now they're saving money because now they don't have to go spend a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand $10,000 to get their message in front of people. They own the attention of those people already because they've invested in their relationship. You know, yep. and, and I think whether it's marketing or sales, it has to start from that perspective. What are the relationships that we're building with our customers and potential customers so that they trust us? Yep. 
And then hopefully people in 2023 don't abuse that. You know, you've spent all this time and effort. You've built this list. You've built this relationship. Don't just destroy that relationship by saying bye, bye, bye all the time in 2023 because you need to hit sales. It has to be organic. You know, people want to go through things when they have time and when it's really a need for their business. But if you don't abuse that, you know, your brand share and, and your mind share and how much people trust you goes way up over time. So that makes a lot of how sense. How do you, I mean, like you thinking with like your marketing hat a little bit, because I think that the sales guys are always going to be like, just go like send the email, send the email. Like, how do you communicate that to, to your sales, you know, the, your sales counterparts of like, how of protecting that relationship so you're not burning your lists? Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, you know, a terrible analogy, because I just came up with it on the spot. Like you, you look at the quality of the leads, right? If you owned a car dealership, right? And you had someone walk in the door and he said, hey, I'm in the market for a truck. You know, they walk into the Ford store or something like that. That's a salesperson's dream. Great. Let's go look at the F-150s, 250s, 350s, whatever you need. Let's go. And you're going to walk out of there with a truck that day. Whereas if I ran a bunch of advertisements and said, hey, 50% off of trucks, some dude's going to pull up in a Corolla and be like, hey, I saw your ad. I, I, I've never driven a truck before. Like I've got 10 square feet of storage behind me. But like, which which person do you really want in your funnel? You know, and you want to build that trust. And I think something that we also forget sometimes when we're heavy focused on revenue is we're not just looking for contracts, right? We're not just looking for initial payments. We're looking for customers. And we want those customers to be with us for a very long time. And we can provide value as marketers in that relationship before they buy, through the purchase, and then beyond. Like one of those values could be, well, I like the product, but I love the company. Like that's a great relationship where even if your product fails sometimes, and it always will, it's never going to be perfect. Someone's going to have an innovative feature. If they love the company because you haven't abused our relationship, I respect you. I trust you. You have my best interests at heart. I can feel that through the content you're providing. They're going to stick with you for very like long amounts of time. The turn rate's going to drop drastically. So I look at it again, the, the holistic business approach. We're not just out there for leads or sales. We're out there for genuinely helping businesses that want to be with us for years. And I think that's kind of the difference when you're looking at those two systems. Uh, yeah, I love that. Like, like marketing as a, as a, as a function of retention is so essential. And it, I think it's one of those places that people overlook. They get so focused on the inbound and rather like so much easier to like, you know, keep the customer you have rather than go and find a new one. And, and sometimes we neglect and take for granted those people. And really they, they're the most deserving of, of a lot of our attention. Yeah. Plus the number one channel, I don't know if you did the study, um, but I do know at a previous business, we kind of verified this data. We went and talked to all sorts of customers and right after they purchased and said, how did you find out about us? Like, what was the determining factor? the vast majority, like the number one by tens of percents of how they heard about us and why they bought was word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And so your number one channel as a business is having good relationships with customers. That's when they refer you. Your product could be great, but if they don't like the company, they're still not gonna refer you. You could even have a subpar product. And if they really like the company, they'll actually refer you. And that's the biggest marketing channel that you have. So keeping the life cycle really in mind, 
your paid ads are doing a great job. I promise like they're great and all that stuff. I've never seen a business where word of mouth has not been the number one channel for that business by far, even if it's not in their UTMs, because that's never going to be tracked on like a Google nope. UTM parameter. But if you genuinely get in front of that person, how did you hear about us? Oh, I talked to another business owner who really enjoys their experience with you. So I started looking into you and that's when I clicked your ad, you know, I would have never clicked on it had I not actually started looking into it because we went out and had lunch um, or I went to a convention and this person said, Hey, go check out that booth or whatever it is. And I think that that's really important as well. If you're looking at getting new business and it's really just, you know, the long-term short-term going back to the AI side of things, AI content is never going to build your relationships that get you word of mouth referrals, genuine, good interaction, doing what's best for the customer. That's going to grow your business and it's going to grow it very, very fast if you do it really well. Mm. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So one quick question before we call it good, because this time has just flown by and I don't want this to be too long. Um, there are a lot of people right now in the job market. You know, unfortunately, there have been a ton of layoffs and it's super sad because these people are super talented, you know, and it's, you know, especially when it happens in the holidays, things like that, that's brutal. What would be your recommendation, you know, as a business owner, as someone in charge of hiring and bringing on new talent for your business, if you were to see an interview and talk to marketing and sales individuals who are looking for jobs, what would put certain people ahead of other people? What can people do to really stand out in what may be a little bit of an oversaturated market um, on the marketing sales side? How can they talk about themselves? What's an experience or what can they do during this time to go make themselves stand out to, you know, a, a co-founder of a business? Like, what would you look at and say, okay, that's really, really cool. Great question. So I, uh, I actually was, um, at a company and I got laid off, um, I mean, it was like six years ago, totally sudden, no warning, every sign that the company was doing well. And, you know, when you get laid off as a marketer, you feel that stress, right? Um, and especially if you, if it's a company that doesn't believe in marketing or is, 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 you know, super focused at like use marketing as an expense, not an investment, then it can feel like, oh man, like this is going to be like a fight uphill. So, so one of the things that, um, I had a mentor say a long time ago, I was, I was not doing anything entrepreneurial at the time. I, I guess I was doing a little bit of consulting, but I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. It was just like someone needed help. Right. Um, he, he got on stage and said, as a marketer you've got to understand what your impact is to the business and what you're doing and how it impacts the business. And I think that if you're a marketer looking for a job, being able to tell that story in your interviews of, of the things that you do that help that business grow and making sure that, that all of your talents and skills that you have, whether it's graphic design or copywriting or, or, you know, ad buying or social media management, being able to take those things and correlate those to a business result I think is, is going to be something that businesses will really value. I know if I got on, on a, a call with a candidate and they were telling me not just that they were great social media management, but they understood the correlation of those things to driving business results, that person would really stand out to me. And so I think when you're, when you're looking, do that. The other thing too is, is for, for me personally, I, f I really value our core values in people. Like I, like for us, we hire and fire according to our core values. And I think some of our core values are things that any business would, would find value in. Like one of them is curiosity. 
like ask great questions that that show that you're curious to learn more about the business and how it functions. They want someone that, that I want someone that like cares enough that they want to like proactively learn and and you can't just like always tell who is going to be proactive or not. And so doing things that can signal your curiosity, I think are good in interviews. I think another thing too is demonstrating things like drive, you know, showing up and knowing the company that you're interviewing with beforehand, being able to speak to what their products are. Like those things not, are not things that everyone does. And even if the interviewer is going to come and ask you questions about it, it's different if you volunteer that information yourself because you're showing that you were well-prepared. And, and that also stands out to me too. Um, and, you know, the other, the other thing I would, I would say too, is just, just trust in your skill set a little bit, you know, as a marketer, um, you're marketing yourself, right? And so like whatever you do for marketing, whether it's copywriting, whether it's it's graphic design, the things that you do, post them on LinkedIn, put them on Instagram, put them on Facebook, make sure you've got a portfolio. Like like marketers, we have so many things that we can show to show what our skill sets are. And so really putting those in front of people to get a taste of those things, um, I think is another way that you can really stand out because you'd be surprised how many people are looking for marketing roles, but aren't showing a portfolio or communicating yeah. awesome those things that, that they do. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And on that last point, I mean, right now people get it and people understand are willing and wanting to help and a simple LinkedIn post that you're looking and just sharing what you've done. Well, I've never seen so many viral posts in my life on LinkedIn and they're all mm -hmm. people looking for jobs because people genuinely like are good people. And if you're suffering and don't have a job, and you post about it, your network cares and they're going to help you try to find something and you're going to have a lot of leads and things like that. But making sure as that gets exposure, like you just said, you're sharing what you actually know how to do. You know, if someone's never seen it before, but they're like, oh, cool. Like, man, you get it. ROI, you're next to it. I need something. Let's let's talk. Let me reach out and actually have an interview. And then one yeah, thing from a, a previous podcast that you hit on that I love, the curiosity and asking questions. The best salespeople are the best at asking questions. And one of the quickest way in an interview for a new sales role to prove that you're really good at sales is asking a million questions to actually get to insights. That shows you know how to do that in the real world and it applies to you. And that's like the first most transferable way. If you just sit there and answer questions, it shows that that may be how you approach a sales call, which is not the most effective way. You need to have the other person speaking most of the time. I would have a personal challenge of, hey, this person's interviewing me. They're going to speak 80% of the time, just like I should do on any kind of a sales call as well. So I think the curiosity point is really, really important. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, it's a fundamental skill for sure, for, for sure for sales, but for any position, you know, yeah, it's hard to it. find too. I'll tell you, it's crazy how many times I've done interviews. I'm like, they didn't, they just sat there. That was weird. <laughs> you know, like asking <laughs> questions really goes a long way. Yeah. Well, and something that I saw, I only saw this once in my career, but um, this was a very forward thinking mar um, sales leader. And they brought me in as a marketer and they said, hey, I want you in my sales interviews. And they actually from day one wanted this rapport and this relationship with these individuals. So they brought in a, a marketing leader to say, hey, how, how how do you work with marketing? What's your favorite thing? What's your least favorite thing? And can we get along? 
that way the day they get hired, they've already built a relationship and they're ahead of the game. And I, I thought that was really clever and, and really fun as well for sales leaders, marketing leaders, bring in the other yeah. purple because it doesn't happen that often, but it really should. Super smart. Yeah. I love that. Very cool. Well, Connor, this has been amazing and probably way too long because I was really fascinated with everything you had to say. Um, but first of all, thank you for taking the time. Second of all, I'd love for people to be able to find out about story. What's the best place for them to find out about your company and reach out if they need any help on that front? Yeah. So you can find us at story.co at story with two Y's story S T O R Y Y dot C O. Um, and we actually have a free video edit for anyone that downloads our app. So you can download our app, access all of our AI prompts for free send us raw content, we'll turn that into an edited piece of content for you. Um, and so you can kind of try out and see how it works. One of the things we're doing for people here in our in Utah, we're partnering up with Silicon Slopes and we're actually doing free video edits for anyone that's that's uh, lost their job and wants a kind of a video resume to kind of show off their skills. So if you're in that job market and kind of facing that, um, you can reach out to us and we're, we're happy to set that up. Silicon Slopes will be doing some stuff to promote it pretty soon here. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, 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 uh, you can reach us there and, and we really want to help both everyone that's looking for a job and also anyone that's looking to build that organic relationship with their audience online. I love that. That's a super cool initiative. I'm excited to, to see more about that. So hats off to you guys for doing what's right. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for the time. And, uh, again, I appreciate all of it. It was great having you on. Dude, Benjamin, great to spend the time with you, man. Thanks for having me on. You bet. I hope you enjoyed the interview. If you'd like to see the video recording of this podcast, go to getmasset.com. Have a great day.